Sweet. Studio all to myself. Time for a little bit of Olivia and a little bit of Jazzercise. Get this tape going here. All right. Okay, all right. We're gonna get physical. Let me hear your body talk. Three, two, talk. Four, five, talk. Body talk. Hey, oh, hey, Danielle. How long have you been here? All of it. Where art thou? Where art thou? You know, there's a gym for that. Yeah, but I want to get in shape first. I don't think you get it. Anyway, time to do another podcast. Okay, super. Who do we have? We have Samantha Brennan. No, uh, the dean. For real. For real. Uh, what What are we going to talk to our boss about? What if they find out about us? <laughs> we're going to talk about some F words. No, we're not. Yes, we are. You know, like fashion and feminism and fitness and did you just bleep me? I'm trying to keep your job, Danielle. You can't just go ahead and say that stuff about the dean. No, not those F words. These ones, fashion and fitness and stop that. I don't know. I just get nervous. Deans can be really scary. Wasn't Voldemort a dean? I get the button. Give me the button. Fine. Here. Okay. Feminism, fashion, fitness, and food. And philosophy. Sure. Maybe I should make the Skype call to Paul. Hello. Hi, Samantha. How are you? Hi, Samantha. I'm it's good, Paul. Thanks. And it's Danielle. Let's do it again. That was a weird one. That was really weird. We're so I think we're trying too hard. We are trying too okay. hard. We're nervous. I'll be honest with you. Uh, we're nervous we didn't a little expect bit. To we're talk all to our boss. I'm nervous too. So it's just, right, we're just the three nervous people. All right. Okay. Ring. Hello. Hi, Samantha. Hi. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Good. It's Danielle. And Paul. Hi, Danielle and Paul. Who's Samantha Brennan? Uh, Samantha Brennan is a feminist philosopher and uh, also Dean of the College of Arts at the University of Guelph. Nice. That's great. I'm thrilled to be here. I came here from uh, Western University just down the road, and uh, I'm really loving it here. Who do you cheer for when there's uh, teams playing in sport or any kind I'll of academic well. athletics? I will. <laughs> I'll cheer for Guelph, for sure. Okay, We've good. taken you over to our side. so yeah. You have. You okay, have. that's good. That's good. All right. Do you meet with students pretty regularly during the school year when they're here? Do you, do you uh, encounter them on a regular basis, like in terms of meetings? I only like encounter them mostly when they're lost. <laughs> <laughs> they're looking actually for the associate dean academic normally, oh, and okay. they they find me instead, or right. they Google, uh, you know, dean they Google dean college, you know, uh, dean college of art, and, and land on my doorstep. Uh, um, but I meet students uh, at events mostly. Like Griffin's Read. Which is coming up soon. Um, yes. Which is coming up soon, which I'm excited about. Very excited uh, for. I'll see students when they come here. We Guelph um, yeah. does this lovely, like a convocation, but it's the beginning. Yeah, it's. I and forget it, what it's called. It's it like called? a pre-convocation? It's, yeah, it's, it's like an initiation thing. Oh, it's like right. an initiation. For, like, for new students. But it's, it's like it's, reverse convocation. It like is, you're just beginning. Yeah. You're starting your journey, and then yeah. it end, you end your journey with graduation. Several oh, universities yeah. um, do and that. And it's lovely. There are lots of first-year students there, and the president is there, and the provost is there. Mm -hmm. And I think for them, it's a terrific opportunity to meet 
deans, provost, and president, and have this you know official beginning of their university career. Oh, cool! Oh, That'd I... be cool if they had people like walk in backwards and they did everything in reverse. <laughs> you could wait, like, you take the robes off. Take the yeah, robes, robes off. off. <laughs> you have to earn these. Yeah, <laughs> give me that back. <laughs> so we do things like that. I think really well at Guelph. One of the things I think uh, Guelph does exceptionally well is the. Um, on-campus orientation beginning of the year experience for our students. Okay. I don't meet lots of them so much during the school year. It's just free food all over the place, which I enjoy <laughs> as well. It's like popcorn. We were debating the other day we should give away pizza, wraps, or subs. That was our discussion. Oh, pizza uh, always, right? Always pizza. I think it has to be pizza. Best way to make friends. Absolutely. <laughs> Never been to a bad party that had pizza. And even bad pizza is good pizza. Exactly. Anyways, we're, anyway. we digress. This is another podcast <laughs> altogether. <laughs> and there's always vegetarian pizza. There's never all meat pizza. No. And no. your thoughts on pineapple on pizza? <gasps> I am pro pineapple. Yes. 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 Thank you. <laughs> we are all pro pineapple oh, here. Man. Oh, I feel like I'm in a very safe space. Well, yeah, I feel comfortable. Like my shoulders just <laughs> yes, dropped. Just and I feel relaxed. This is nice. This is great. <laughs> great feeling. So on top of being our dean here, you are also a faculty member here in the College of Arts, and you do teach in the philosophy department, correct? I do, and I'm teaching, uh, actually, my first course there uh, this fall. I'm teaching a graduate seminar on ethical issues related to higher education. It's going to be a survey of kind of the main, the main issues and the main ethical issues uh, related to uh, higher education and uh, related to equality, you know, equity, diversity, and inclusion. Right. So lots of feminist ethics, and then as applied to uh, university life, questions in university life. Right. And would, do you find that having a background in ethics, and, and that's like one of your main research areas, um, that that background helps you in your position as a dean here? Do you find that helps with, uh, with your role as leadership, in re- leadership? Yeah, I wonder. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have no, like a higher standard than most because of your. <laughs> <laughs> you're so ethical. Yeah, I think I have a way of thinking about these things, and I think I have an approach that I kind of understand the, the background issues, driving some of the debates and discussions, and it gives me a, a framework to to appreciate sort of the hard the hard pro- things that are genuinely hard problems. Right. So. Like even talking about in the the realm of ethical dilemmas and working in the arts, um, Danielle and I were talking the other day about art and artists, the the dilemma of trying to separate the two in music or visual. Um, how is that kind of perceived, or how can we think about that ethically? Oh, right. Yeah. Should we continue to read books by bad men? Yeah. Yeah. yeah one, basically. You know, Right, or appreciate art. You know, can you separate the art from the artist? And even within, so in my area of, uh, of ethics, so Immanuel Kant, you know, famous moral philosopher, uh, probably one of the best known moral philosophers, um, lots of Kant is still read as, as very important, um, but people tend not to read. Kant was also had um, fairly reprehensible views about race, which people don't read, and it's fine in a way. I mean, I think it's good that we don't read them and teach them, but you don't want to sort of hide it either. No. no. So I think in the case of artists, it's the same. You you might want to still um, appreciate and view the art, but you want to know, I think you do want to know what the whole context is, what the whole story is, and that doesn't mean ignore it. It means 
deal with all of the facts in their messy, uh, messy complexity. Mm-hmm. Don't pretend that it's not there. Right. So don't pretend that the person was a nice, <laughs> was a nice person or a good guy right. if, if they weren't. But if it's um, like a song that you liked, but the artist. So, so where it's something more trivial, like uh, just music that we like to, you know, bop around and dance to, I think often there are better, you know, you have to ask, is this person uniquely the best presenter of this thing that you like? Mm-hmm. Or are there minority artists who are being left out, who don't have their room, who don't have the space? And can we do a better job of, of including them? So sometimes I think it's, when it's understanding the history of ideas and what's important, I think you can, and probably the history of art too, you can't leave out the people who've had complicated and awful, you know, who, who have bad lives and have awful views. Uh, but when it's something like, do I buy a popular book or listen to a popular song? I think then sometimes you want to think about, is that the choice you want to be making? Is that where you want your money going? Yeah, yeah. Like no one, no, there's no money going to Kant. There's no money going to right. um, dead artists. The okay. living artists who are still collecting right. and are still leading lives we might not be happy with and then we might think are, are making bad moral choices right. if yeah. we don't end up getting our money. I'm yeah. not saying that means steal their work, but, you know, that, that's a, you know. But there seems to be a difference then, you know, like Picasso was a big jerk back in the day and today like a, a Chris Brown or something, you know, I feel like there is some sort of Kelly, difference between right? because yeah. I would never yeah. want to like consciously support uh, a contemporary artist yeah. that is knowingly right. doing terrible things. Right, right, exactly. And yeah. then so even going back to yeah. films as well, um, I was about to watch a movie, uh, uh, 16 Candles with my daughter, oh, yeah. until my friend reminded me, he's like, I know we liked it back in the day, but it Bye. is a lot different now. Yeah. We watch these old films and different times, and can I still enjoy it now, knowing what I know, and seeing it in a different lens, especially as an adult, being and a little bit from, more conscious. And, and from a parental lens too, right? You have that. Yeah, that's like different. It, yeah, it was terrible. There's like a scene where a guy's high fiving another dude because he's taking a drunk girl home. Yeah. Like I'm like, oh no. But like in the '80s, it was never thought of, and it's a John Hughes film, and John Hughes made Home Alone. Where do we separate and categorize these things, or how do we place them now? Yeah, and things our standards have changed, right? So I think at one point when I was in high school, Rocky Horror was transgressive. Yeah, like right. it was. It was a really um, it was it was the, some of the first non-standard, non-gender conforming imagery <laughs> some of us have seen, had seen, and we thought of it as a really progressive film. It still is progressive. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but now, when I, now when I look at uh, now, I'm sort of now I'm not so comfortable with the portrayal of uh, trans identities in 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 Rocky Horror. Yeah. Now there's right. reasons and reasons to be. You know, the consent in that is not exactly like the, how much did Brad and Janet consent and, and mm-hmm. you know, that that didn't even seem to be, that wasn't even an issue I thought about right. uh, when I when I first saw it. I mean, it, now people do kind of remakes that have, that do a better job with that, but that's kind of within my lifetime. Lou Reed, you know, Lou Reed, oh, Walk yeah. on the Wild Side, same yeah. thing, right? Yeah. I mean, again, not problematic at the time or in my, in my, the time I first listened to it, but now I think that we have better ways of representing, you know, gender non-conforming people than, mm-hmm. than that. 
Yeah, and it's almost like we have to hear it for the first time again, um, mm-hmm. knowing what we know. We almost, uh, I'm not saying we know too much, but um, we're, we're listening for the right things. Right. Right. For me, it was children's books. Yeah. Right. And lots of the children's books that I had fond memories of from England, I went back and read again before I shared them with my kids. Mm-hmm. And some of them I thought, wow, I yeah. just, the the gender role stereotyping this stuff. I can't really share this with my kids yeah, or, for sure. or, or, you know, uh, racism and portrayal. Of, you know, it, oh, it, yeah. It, yeah. Stay away from that Mark Twain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then again, it's what happens is a discussion though. The kids do need to learn. Things are different now and working towards the better for sure. Mm-hmm. But even like we're trying to tie in things like feminism as well. Like, um, and one of the things we want to talk about is all the stupid things that they banned women yeah. from doing. Right. So people, so our young people, so young people aren't anti-feminist because they think uh, they don't understand that, they, that all of the hard work that feminists have done. Oh, right. it, so you need to explain the way things were in part to explain what we've what we've all accomplished, right. what, what has changed yeah. and what has gotten better. I mean, you don't have to go, you know, that far back. Mm-hmm. No, I was even reading that like stuff in the 70s I was going on in the States, like, for example, the availability of birth control, like it was, you know, out in like 1965 and it was only available to married couples and then was uh, available to the general public in 1972 kind or something. Like that's not even that long ago. <laughs> like that's right, and, not that long. Really? Like, that's in the 70s. Like that's that's, that's not that crazy. long ago. I was like, born in the 70s. <laughs> Wow, yeah. Even looking, my favorite, because her name is amazing, is Emma Snodgrass. In 1852, wore a a pair of pants. And it made (laughs) national news five times. And she just continued to get arrested, like, over five times. (laughs) For pants. For pants, you know. And she did it, even in 1852, she's, like, 17 years old. And she did it because she didn't feel like she was getting equal pay or treatment. So she dressed as a man like George, and uh, she did that. And she worked harder than most people. And she kept getting arrested, and she kept wearing pants, uh, defiant right to the end. But this is 1852. So, and that's a while ago. Right. But that's one issue I think that hasn't gone away, this fuss over what women wear and what Mm. counts as appropriate clothing for women. I wrote this piece for Conversation Canada on leggings on campus. (gasps) I read that. I loved it. It was fantastic. Which was an issue after this mother. I can't believe she did this. She had three sons and then wrote an open letter to uh, the women of their campus in the United States asking them not to wear leggings because they were distracting her sons. Like, can you imagine? Oh. And I thought, well, first of all, write to your sons and tell them to pay attention to their studies yeah. and yeah. women about what they're wearing. But you get this fuss over it's a different, uh, you know, like, like it's like a different body part of the year, a different item of clothing of the year that women are not supposed to wear or not mm. supposed to uh, show off or not supposed to. It's such a, it, it, that, that one seems never to end. Right. Yeah, I wish it was more acceptable, acceptable for men to wear leggings because I definitely wear my <laughs> at home, but I don't feel comfortable. comfortable. I don't like think people would feel comfortable right. around me wearing them either. But they're that's super okay. comfortable. I they're always so joke that I feel like I feel like a superhero when I'm yeah. wearing. Yes, I can be at work and I can just go like I can go to like this afternoon. I'll go to the TRX class at the university gym and I can mm-hmm. get, you know get changed yeah. again. Fine, yeah. like what I'm wearing. I just want to climb something as soon as I get on them. Get no. them on. Right. There are no limits when you can wear leggings. No, 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 no. 
<laughs> but even think about, you know, Serena Williams, all this fuss about uh, what yes. she wears. Right. You know, and she's a, you know, a, a famous athlete. Right. And uh, she did get in trouble because she did wear like a, a right. all black cat suit one time for a game, for a right. match. And, and you're supposed and, to wear a skirt. And you're supposed to wear the playing. short skirt. So it's like, right. really? Like, really? That's, really? really? Yeah. Like, it's yeah. like she is more covered in, in a suit, like in this cat suit. And it, and it, so it's, I don't know. It just I went to a Catholic mind, high but, school and we all right. had to wear. Yeah. Boys had to wear slacks yeah. uh, and ladies had to wear skirts. Yep. And I didn't, I don't recall any women wearing pants mm-hmm. at the time. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, I don't know, right. weird. My mother tells the story of, uh, she wore a school uniform that had a skirt, but she used to have a, she had a part-time job uh, delivering milk and used to leave a pair of jeans in the milk truck. So that her parents wouldn't know. Oh. And she would throw them on over her school uniform and deliver the milk in the jeans because she was jumping on and off the milk truck. Yeah. yeah. Better to be jumping on and off the milk truck in jeans than your school uniform. And so, yeah, and it was this thing that she kept a big big secret. So she had to hide the fact that she was wearing jeans. Right. Boy clothes. She would leave, Boy them, clothes. She would leave them in the milk truck. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Right. It's one of the things that I have a blog that's on fitness and feminism and the fuss over women's clothing just doesn't doesn't die you know it's there now the the debate over running skirts or Mm. cycling (laughs) and i own a couple of these things but i can see why people are concerned about them because some of the popularity of them has to do with conservative views about uh, women should wear dresses and skirts at all times even if you're out riding your bike hundreds of kilometers you should be doing it in a yeah. yeah, she's doing it in a dress, not in not in not in bike shorts. Not be very practical. I think no. everybody should be wearing pantsuits from like the movie Nine to Five with Dolly Parton. <laughs> that would be cool. Men and yeah. women, shoulder pads, yeah, yeah. the whole totally thing. Fine. It's the just sassiness, thing. Yeah, pockets, Sassy. one piece. It's great. Less there folding. <laughs> so we were also had Paul and I were also talking about the other day. We had a, a debate ourselves about we were talking about feminism. And uh, it came up where we were talking about discussing men being feminists. And I don't want to steal your thunder, Paul. But no, you it's can not introduce the, thunderous. The, the topic. But we were talking about, you know, can, can a man truly identify as being a feminist if he can never uh, go through the same experiences as, as a woman? And as my point of view, I'm saying I'm not sure that I can be. Um, I, being a man, not fully understanding it, but I'm 100% a supporter and an advocate for feminism, but I don't know how I would be able to fit in as a feminist per se. Like I don't, I think it's a pretty exclusive club. So my son and I had the same conversation actually last night because uh, he asked me if I thought uh, men could be feminists, and I think men can be feminists, but I think in a way that's not so much the what you call yourself is not so much the important question. The important question is can what role should men play in feminism and and how can men be allies to feminists mm-hmm. and how can we uh, make sure that uh, it's not uh, that the men who are who are, are being allies aren't sort of substituting their own judgments or their own views for the who are actually make sure they're actually listening mm-hmm. to the experiences of women um so it's not. So I think yes, men can be feminists. And I think men can be feminist scholars. Men can be feminist academics. Men can be feminist artists. Uh, but in a way, that label isn't really the important thing. The important thing is 
playing the role of an ally and uh, taking on the the cause of you know advancing women's equality is some, something you, you care about and make important in your life. Mm-hmm. So the action being louder than the words, basically. Yeah, that the, the label isn't so. I don't think it's so. Uh, is the most important thing. Right. That's, that people yeah. get all bent out of their shape yeah. about the label, but I don't think it's the the actual thing that matters. That's always thought, like even Trudeau labeling himself a feminist. I don't know if he's right. just politicking or this or that, but it's I've always thought about it since he's said it. Mm-hmm. And I grew up with older and younger sister, a very a mom that wore the pants in the family, and it was never really a thing that I thought about really uh, until then. I just thought it was mm-hmm. you know, and, and being a guy, you know, ignorance is bliss. Um, I just never realized how much of an issue it was because it was never an issue at our home with my sisters. But I, again, I don't know all the struggles they've been through and especially my mom as well. Just, mm. we've been supportive to each other uh, the whole time. It turns out that that's one of the key experiences that makes a difference in whether or not men are, uh, whether or not men are, whether or not men are feminists, whether or not men care about the things that happen to, to women in the workplace and at school and care about women's equalities. Having daughters turns out to be a thing that, uh, makes, uh, men feminists and having, 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 you know, uh, having sisters. Right. Yeah. So seeing the things that the people you care about have to put up with in the world, uh, you know, changes, changes your view and makes you an advocate, I think. That makes sense. Across yeah. Well, that even ties in with the gender roles as well. Like, I don't know what I would have done if I had a son first. I have a, a daughter and a son. Uh, my daughter was born first. And I really feel like that kind of uh, smoothed out my edges. And I felt like uh, mm-hmm. I, I gave more care. And if it were a boy, it'd be a little bit more rough. And then mm-hmm. having a daughter first and seeing my son, I realized I don't have to treat him like the boy, you know, like how I was treated in the like, 70s and 80s growing up. Um, more left to your own devices and girls had a little bit more strict rules on them. It, it definitely kind of opened my eyes. It's like, like going from a black and white television to like a full LCD screen. It just really changes your view. <laughs> cool. So we talked about some ethics and some feminism. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say it. Not, you should, I mean. Okay, we won't put this in. But when we're talking about the interview yesterday, um, we're trying to say feminisms, and then it ended up being feminisms, a new candy. Like but femi, feminine, 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 like a candy. Feminine, 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 feminine. If they did release something like that, they would probably have thirty percent less in the bag, and it would probably cost thirty percent more, and they'd just all be <laughs> pink, right. and, pink purple. and purple. Yeah, <laughs> per pinkle. The pink everywhere. The pink everywhere. <laughs> My favorite are products that are gendered that have no need to be gendered. It. Like, like the pens, or yeah. Candy. That's what I know, like a pink pen or uh, or like lip chap. Like my favorite is always food. I've written a bit about gendered food products for the the blog. Uh, oh, really? Is it uh, all really? kale based? Blog. Oh. Yeah, and they have um, the food products are assumed to be for women. So, so when I was in New Zealand, they had manly yogurt. What? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was uh, they it like had, whiskey uh, and cigarette uh, and it butts. Was like, it was the best yogurt ever. Um, <laughs> But it was so weird that it was like, well, it was larger first of all. <laughs> um, it served and, like a TV but it dinner also tray. had lots, like it had nuts and seeds in it. <laughs> Jeez. All right, all right. 
beef jerky flakes. I was going to say, like, no flavoring. Some sort except, of beef. Yeah. Meat flavored. Yeah. There's a, yeah. Well, there we go. Let's see. Yeah, it was called, come by a company called Mammoth. <laughs> and, um, right. The man has lost his place in the world and his place in the fridge. There are scarce few products we can call our own. But at Mammoth, we've decided to do something about this and offer men something for men. No nonsense. <laughs> Fill you up yogurt, ice cream, and coffee. Yeah. So it's I like manly. Shocked. I am manly shocked. Manly coffee and yogurt because real men don't eat the little tiny tubs of like no. they were also like like they were they were a good size they the manly yogurt they were, yeah is it like, strawberry like is in a too beer girly, can okay. or something yeah <laughs> it is too strawberry is too girly so they have like this one is blueberry with grains and barley and seeds oh my gosh first of all that sounds delicious <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> whatever well, that's why it's for you yeah, i guess okay fine <laughs> <laughs> yeah so but yeah and then there was a company that made manly cupcakes what and they yeah. look like and little muscles the, some of the manly cupcakes were um oh here's more manly yogurt man, mango and coconut fruit with seeds grains and barley lemon passion fruit apple blueberry anyway um <laughs> now i'm getting hungry <laughs> no but the cupcakes they had ones that were um like uh whiskey cupcakes yeah. Whiskey cupcakes. I like this. Only a man can enjoy whiskey. I like to keep My those rules separate. My son got shower gel the other day that was um, manly shower gel, but it had, um, it was like tobacco scented shower gel. What? That's so gross. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. And butch cupcakes. Yeah, the butch cupcakes are like, yeah, manly flavors of cupcakes. Are they a different shape? They're are they all like the things square? Men love. Oh, if you add bacon or bacon and beer flavored cupcakes, right? Yeah, I don't know. I did have bacon on a. I've had bacon in, like a bacon cupcake good. before, <laughs> and it's great, but it certainly wasn't a Not gendered beer. cupcake. Right, and as a feminist and a vegetarian, I'm always fascinated by it. Now, <laughs> the uh, man, manly equals contains alcohol and meat, and also as a feminist, I've been concerned lately about how we've started to market um, alcohol to young women and and all of the the. Women are kind of the untapped alcohol market because women still drink a lot less than men. And so there's so much fuss now on mommy wine. Oh, yeah. You know, wine marketed sure. uh, to mothers and uh, alcoholic yep. drinks market. All the, the range of pink drinks has yep. gotten kind of ridiculous. For sure. And the like the like there's a, the wine company Girls Night Out. For, and it's right. all like, I think it's like mostly rosé wines and stuff. And they're just right. incredibly sweet and gross and yeah. yeah, you see like the ciders or um, some sort of fruity, sugary drink yep. uh, marketed towards women. And there was just a study that came out, I think, yesterday about uh, women being affected by right. alcoholism because of uh, the marketing towards them mm. playing a role. Right. So some of the when people look at the um, the health gap between men and women, so men uh, typically, uh, so men on average uh, die younger than women on average, uh, and part of that gap can be explained by um, less, uh, that women drink less than men and smoke, smoke less than men. Well, maybe yeah. if they stopped marketing foods to be whiskey flavored to men, then maybe this wouldn't be happening. I don't know. Right. Can we get balance this thing out? <laughs> Never mind that lots of people don't think that that's a, a binary worth choosing between, that they don't feel comfortable with uh, you know, picking one or the other. 
I still can't believe yogurt is one of those things. That's just It's everything. And even for so many things, it just doesn't, I mean, food obviously doesn't make sense. Uh, But I'm shopping right now for a new bicycle, and there's all this marketing of women's bicycles. Yeah. But all that means is that the frame size is geared towards people who have um, longer legs and shorter torsos, which is mostly men. Men and women have a different uh, upper body to lower body mm-hmm. ratio. Right. Uh, but it's odd to call that women's because, in fact, if you so now I'm looking for because I have short legs and a long torso, uh, I'm looking for a man's frame. But right. it's weird. Huh. I like to think that's. I think it should be just be a bike. Yeah, a bike should just, should just a be bike. a bike. Like <laughs> and the, like just a frame, just B frame, and, C frame. And yeah, different frame sizes, but like different why is sizes. like Right. I remember my sisters used to have bikes and they used to have the bars. I don't know if they still do it, but the bars that went down on an angle because they assumed the women were wearing skirts and dresses. Right. Yeah. Right. And that yeah. Was crazy. I'd like sure, to bring right. the banana seat back though with some ape hanger uh, handlebars. Yeah. That I was have, one of my I favorite have, I bikes. I remember having one of those. <laughs> <laughs> so, those always look really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was tough to turn and hard to maneuver, but it looked cool. It looked cool. It would be fun to have. Cool. So where else are we here, Danielle? What else do you want to talk about? Um, well, we could kind of lead into a little bit of like the fitness conversation. Fitness? Fitness. What kind of fitness? Oh, like fitness, fitness whole pizza, pizza in, in my mouth? mouth? <laughs> no? Nothing? Nope. <laughs> okay. Um... We were talking about this earlier and wondering if ethics has a role in fitness and what that role might be. And uh, for example, like at the gym, even like, is there such a thing as being ethical while at the gym? Um, Especially in like when a gym can be so hetero, cis, male oriented. Yeah, it's an environment that lots of people don't feel don't feel that comfortable. Right. You see attempts these days by people to create uh, gyms that are more. Uh, gender inclusive, mm-hmm. so that don't have that have options beyond the women's change room and the men's change room. Right. And you'll see gyms these days that are focusing on body positivity. Mm-hmm. Uh, gyms these days that aren't, you know, that are not focusing entirely on um, weight loss as a sole value, which is a, a very frustrating value for gyms to have, since most right. people exercise and don't actually lose weight but then if that was your point of exercising then you quit Mm -hmm. Uh, but then there's all these other health benefits that now you don't get because you're not exercising so no I think we're we're seeing a bit of change there and a bit of you know a bit of attention being paid to who is the gym for we had um, uh, there's someone yesterday in a wheelchair using our university gym and our university fitness facility and interesting to see what pieces of equipment were accessible and what aren't mm. um, and you don't see you know you don't see very many people uh, with obvious physical disabilities right. uh, in fitness space although for you know for the same reasons that everybody else <laughs> that we all want to be fit and work out so too do people with disabilities so right. i think there are lots of ethical issues around inclusion where we build these spaces for people who, um, you know, there's kind of the gym type, right? If you yep. Google, uh, you know, images yeah. for, you know, fit women, uh, what you get are skinny, blonde, white women who are, you know, 22 years old. And there's not much variance from that, right? There's yeah. like, the, there's the fit guy and the fit girl. Yeah. And you'll see them in a, in, you know, in, and you know they're wearing like matching yoga pants yep. and matching top, and you, you, you know exactly what they're going to look like. Yep. 
Um, you don't even have to Google it. It's just the first image that comes to mind. <laughs> right. And there's a whole world of people out there who don't look like that, yeah. who might want to be using a gym and who might want to be having, uh, playing sports or, uh, you know, and, and so I think the inclusion issues are around age. Mm. Uh, they're around physical ability. Uh, they're around gender. They're around, uh, you know, gender identity. And so I think there's so many, there's so many issues and it uh, is a space that is kind of like, if you want like a maximally conforming narrow space, where you, you know, you, uh, that's many people's idea of the gym. The gym. And yeah. How do you find Guelph it. falls in with that and their new athletic center? I love our athletic center. I think our athletic center uh, is actually pretty good on that. You still see, you know, more women than men on the cardio equipment and more men than women lifting weights. Uh, But it's not as bad as it used to be. And uh, I think, I think, and it's low on kind of weight loss, motivational poster kind of stuff. I think they're aware of, enough students with eating disorders and enough students with, uh, you know, mental health issues and stress and anxiety that they're not, that they, that they, you know, rightly see themselves as playing a positive role in that rather than contributing to that. So, no, I like our, I like our yeah. And more, yeah. more or less to promote like a healthy lifestyle as opposed to weight loss, which is yeah. probably going to be inevitable if you're an active person every day. Uh, yeah, but yeah, just yeah. keeping your body moving, yeah. you know, anything in moderation, mm-hmm. you're all right. But yeah, finding balance. I, I hate these, you know, the like the, those crash diets. Six week, or even with the fitness equivalent, is it like the six week boot camp? Yeah, right? and you know what? Uh, and I, and I, I get those because like even I find those appealing. It's like you know what? That'd be kind of cool to do for a couple weeks. But it's like they're they're not. They're not maintainable, and it's it's real tough. It's like and you, know, you hate it. Yeah, and then you hate it, and then you right. you want to stop right. going to the gym. But it's it's just about I think making it part of of a lifestyle that's that's that you can maintain. Or you just enjoyable. Like I yeah. have a tough time going on a treadmill or a bike because I get so bored. Mm. So I need to uh-huh. be doing. Um, uh, something yeah. so to me it's like biking to work it mm-hmm. is uh playing hockey a couple times a week and you know basketball or going out uh even roughhousing with the kids um yeah. it's doing yeah. that stuff yeah. but everybody kind of finds their own yeah. niche and as long as you, you keep find the thing that you love doing so mm-hmm. it's not something it's not one more thing that you miser- make you miserable right like, it's like not a chore people have this kind of suffering chore and for me mostly fitness things have been the fun being outside really and doing things outdoorsy with friends are the things that kind of motivate me i think people sometimes forget that you can do those outdoor activities and it still counts as yeah there's a treadmill out out everywhere right Uh, it's just stuck to the ground called a sidewalk yeah (laughs) and it's mostly free depending where you are yeah so i think so i think the ethical issues just are that this is a this is part of uh, a good life mm-hmm. that's been not as available to everybody right that it's been pretty uh, it's a pretty exclusive kind of environment and my ethical interest is in opening that up and making it a positive space for mm-hmm. all different sorts of people right that makes sense and it should be and that's how, that is how it should be so because everyone because what we um, have well, uh, one more little, which is what we have now is this thing that tracy and i um, tracy isaacs is the person i wrote the book with uh what we call the play gap which is kind of like the pay gap but um so the play gap is how much uh, physical activity and movement you get 
and the gap between boys and girls starts when they're really young. Like it starts at under five, girls move less than boys. And it, it gets worse, you know, through high school where, where high school girls are uh, probably, you know, unless you're a student athlete, they're, they're a pretty sedentary bunch. Um, and then continues on when women have disproportionate amount of family responsibilities and child care. Right. Yeah, so exactly. You'll send the son out to go mow the lawn and the daughter right. will stay so in, do, do, the dishes. do dishes, or yeah. you give her a doll to play with and you're like, here's a ball, go son and go do that. And we're so worried about, well, part of it is this thing where we're worried about our kids getting hurt. So we've got this thing people call the protection paradox where we set out to stop our kids from getting hurt by limiting their movement. And that's so we, we don't let them walk to school. We don't let them ride bikes. We don't let them run around outside without an adult there. Um, but then, and that's called a paradox because we think we're protecting them, but actually they're worse off. As oh, yeah. Adults. Oh, for sure. Um, but then it's also gendered. People are more likely to worry about girls getting hurt than boys getting hurt and are more likely to tell girls to uh, be home and not play outside and supervise than they are boys. Yeah, they, they're so perceived as more helpless. Combined, yeah. Right, those things combine together. And so girls have less physical competence than boys uh, doing things like climbing trees or, uh, you know, like walking on a balance beam, the kinds of things we, you know, you learn to as a kid and then you fall and get hurt and get up again. I've broken my arm uh, three times. Right, yep. Uh, a bunch of fingers. My nose is like super crooked because I broke that like three really? times. Yeah. If you see a photo yeah, of it, it's super Right, weird. right. So then go around and ask, yeah, girls, mostly not. Right? I know. Like, I have I, not bo- broken a single bone in my right. body once. <laughs> I jumped. I was I jumped not off a lot here of for any activity <laughs> that involved potential danger. Yeah. No. I broke fingers uh, riding my bike in a velodrome. Yeah. Um, I crashed my bike and was so hanging and the rest of it was not hurt, which is kind of that that was the great part. I successfully got my bike off the track without without injuring myself. But then when I came off the track I was hanging onto the bars so tight that when the bike fell over I broke my fingers. Oh, oh no. <laughs> I almost made it. I almost made it without injury and then then it broke fingers, yeah. So I wanted to know your thoughts on like the women's only portion of a gym, if a, if a gym has that and you walk in and all the equipment's pink and it's like 90% cardio equipment, very minimal free weights, very obviously gendered. What, what are your thoughts on that? Like, cause it's, it's obviously great to, I love the fact that there is a space for women. Cause I know it, it really yeah. can be tough when you go to the, to the weight area, free weight area. And it's just guys, it's super intimidating. Um, so I think it's, really complicated yeah. and let me just say complicated first i think there are women for whom for uh religious reasons right uh cultural reasons yep. reasons of upbringing um who are only comfortable working out in a women-only yes. space 100 percent great absolutely great that it's there for them my worry about um that kind of space is it becomes it's kind of like i was talking about the the dresses it sort of becomes now a presumption right so it becomes a, it becomes so if you're now a woman not working on that space it's like you even less belong right yeah. so if you're now the person who's going to be the woman working out in the guys is is the regular weight area like the guys weight area and then it's right. a woman only space but if you're a woman who's working out 
uh, want to be working out in the regular weight area. Mm-hmm. Now you're going to stand out even more. Yeah. It's kind of, you know, it's, it, once we create these things, my worry is that then people think that's where you belong. Mm-hmm. So like with the riding skirts and the, and the cycling dresses, once we've got them, then people think that's what you should be wearing. And if you do anything else, you're doing something wrong. Yeah. So I, on the one hand, think they're, they're a terrific thing. On the other hand, I worry that people think, um, that, that that's the space that's appropriate. And I, like you, I worry about the kind of, we build a bunch of other gendered assumptions into it. So yeah. we have this women-only space, and now all of a sudden, like I went to use the weights in a women-only gym, and I put the stick in the stick, you know, the, with the weights that have the mm-hmm. stack of weights, yeah. mm-hmm. and I stuck the stick in and where I normally do. And then the thing went flying because I realized <laughs> oh. there was no weight that was heavy enough to actually, even like the bottom one, was still lighter than I normally use since I had to go out. I couldn't work out in the women's area because it was, so the stack of weights was like half the size. I would have thought I got way stronger. Like I got bitten by some radioactive (laughs) thing and I'm like, whoa. Superhuman strength all of a sudden? (laughs) See how far I could go with this. Right, yeah, it felt like it. Right, and yeah, and it's odd kind of equipment, right? Yeah. It's not necessarily the equipment that, that, that you want. What would make the gyms work? Like what would, what would be a, a solution or a, a way towards a solution with gyms like augmented reality glasses where everybody looks the same (laughs) or they look like mascots from sports teams and you just want to stay away. I think a little bit more accepting all of our part about the diversity of human bodies Mm -hmm. and that we're not, you know, works in progress. We're not, you know, we're not, um, we're not all aiming to, to look any different than, than we look. It's about, um, moving our bodies in ways that feel good. It's about, um, it's about health and health is possible, you know, in lots of different shapes and sizes. Yes. And we're very not very so. good at, For sure. when you look at this, this is a great picture of a, of a row of Olympic athletes even, and you see, wow, those, those, those bodies are, are pretty different from one another. Yeah. Like they're not, they're not all, they're not all, the, they're no, not all the same. Not at all. They, they look, you know, but we don't have that kind of, um, tolerance for diversity among among everyday athletes and we should mm-hmm. do you think it's getting better do you do you find when, if you go to a gym do you think it is getting better that inclusion i mean obviously we still have a ways to go but would you say there's been a difference over the last few years yeah i, th- I think so i think we're now seeing um certainly we're seeing older people and we're seeing some older people in the gym mm-hmm. um and i think we're starting to be aware of Gym users with disabilities, physical disabilities. I think before we used to think you were either like a world-class Paralympic. We had you know had room for that in our mental space or our mental imagery, but not room for kind of everyday athletes or everyday people working out with physical disabilities. And I think that's starting to change too. So I think we're, I think we're doing a bit better on some of these fronts. I think there's still a ton of room to go. I was talking yesterday with someone about someone from my soccer team who used to lie to her husband about playing soccer because he didn't want her (laughs) and she used to keep her soccer gear hidden in the trunk of the car and sneak away to soccer games. Like, why are you so sweaty? Uh... (laughs) That is bizarre. It was was a bit weird, but that's still the reality of some women's lives. She would say she was going to visit a sick relative because that was okay. With a soccer Uh, ball? (laughs) But you know, right? I'm taking the soccer ball over to Aunt Martha, so I can well, soccer in the know. backyard. No, but it was it was weird, right? Yeah, but it's not. It should be considered not, weird. Yeah. 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 What you got, Danielle? 
should end on a happier note. I know. I'm trying to think. Of, what can we do? My, my gloomy, my gloomy soccer story. <laughs> we'll bring it back. Yeah, we'll we'll get it back here. I'm looking through our list of things. Well, yeah, you got some stuff coming up here, let alone the College of Arts 50th anniversary. Yes, very exciting. Um, We do. We've got, uh, we're doing a research celebration this fall, a 50th anniversary uh, celebration of of research in in the College of Arts that we're we're hosting. Um, So that that will be new and exciting. I'm also helping to organize a uh, queer research day. Uh, from the Q of G, which is the uh, uh, LGBTQ uh, uh, faculty and staff group mm-hmm. on campus. So we're going to have a busy time. And we're hosting, and I'm hosting the Canadian Society for Women in Philosophy Conference. Yes, yes. it's so exciting. It's going to be like, a very busy October. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're hoping one of them is in November, but right now two of those events are in October. Now the C-SWIP, yeah, so we'll um, have... the theme is feminism and food. Right, which is a perfect uh, theme to have at the University of Guelph. Absolutely. Uh, so we wanted a theme that tied into um, other research that's going on across campus that will attract people from around campus, and I think uh, feminism and food certainly will. And uh, will no, uh, manly I mean, yogurt be available at the feminism? <laughs> no, no, we're <laughs> still importing. No manly, probably we're not going to have. <laughs> gonna, but there might be, gonna a, go I hungry. be a paper on gendered food. I don't know. I should have looked at the program, but and that's in October. That's October 25th to the 27th. Yes. Here on campus, hosted by the Philosophy Department. Oh, yeah. You know what I really wanted to talk about? Because we did, we weren't sure where we heard it, but we definitely heard it. You are also known as Dr. Death. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Yes. So, Dr. Death. Uh, so, I caught, students took to calling me Dr. Death. Um, so can I we call yeah, can you we hear that this, now? Can we hear this story? Can we, how this came about? Um, I taught a large uh, first-year class at Western University on philosophy and death, and I've been teaching that same. Last year, I did that as an introductory lecture for orientation week at the University of Guelph. We have professors who do lectures and talk to students about, you know, this is what a lecture is like. Here's what I expect you to get at this lecture. Here's what an assignment is like, and I do a lecture from that class on is death a bad thing for the person who's death it is? And uh, talk about some contradictions in our views because we tend to think that we, we want to think that death isn't a bad thing, that we could welcome death, that when we get to a certain age, it's okay to die. Um, but yet that murder is the worst crime you can commit. And why is murder so bad if death isn't a bad thing for the person huh. who's death it is? But it's a great topic to introduce people to philosophy because it's got the kind of some of the metaphysical questions about mm. what is it for a thing to be alive and what is it for a thing to be dead. Um, and it's also got the ethical questions about bringing death about. So like tonight. in terms of euthanasia or? Yeah, uh, like well, suicide, suicide, suicide sure. assisted suicide, euthanasia, uh, murder. And murder seems like, oh, that's an easy one. It's super easy. I could have answered that one right away. When you right, that one. everyone <laughs> thinks that, but then you say, what is it that makes murder... Why is, why is murder wrong? So and again, I feel like I could answer this question um, because you're not supposed to do it. <laughs> like, right. uh, so you know, you why? can't just take something away from somebody else, you know, but I guess the kind of let nature take its I guess it's the thought that it's like it is against their, it's forced. It's, it's taken, like it's a life that's taken yeah, from someone no else way. without their consent. There. All well, right. lots of people think it's because things are wrong when we do bad things to people. But if you also think there are people for whom death would be a good thing, 
um, then you need a different answer to the question of why killing is wrong. Yeah, I guess it's subjective. <laughs> uh, and what led up to it, it maybe it's not wrong. an easy answer but yeah, it's, yeah it seems weird to say that though it seems weird to to say that it's that murder could be subjective right it's super wrong because we think the person didn't have a choice because we think it's something you should choose uh not something that should be chosen for you um even if it would be a good thing for you Okay, I'm Mr. Mom. I've got another meeting. Super okay, duper. well, thank you. I can put you guys off the phone. No, nope. no, nope. thank you. We, we, we talked, we, as we long talked as we for a while, could. so we wanted to maximize our time. So this worked out super fantastically. Um, thank you okay. so much, Samantha, yeah. for joining us. We really appreciate it and for taking oh, the time to chat. You. And it's been super lovely. And we hope to have you back on again soon. And I thank you for being our time. dean. Yes. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Take care. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Wow. Samantha gave us a lot to process there. Mm-hmm. I, I had yep. no idea uh, how much ethics were involved in food and fashion. Mm-hmm. And I think more importantly, it's just the labels around feminism yep. aren't mm-hmm. the most important thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the the most important thing would be just listening mm-hmm. and just, yeah. Danielle, mm-hmm. are you listening? What? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, it's just, it just, it smells so bad in here. I really can't focus. It's, uh, you gotta stop working out in here. It smells like your gym bag. Uh, I need the space to express myself. Mm. Um, okay. How about I just take you with me to the gym? Next Super. Time? I'll get my gear on. Okay. Alrighty. Uh, in the meantime, we can talk about some things that we have going on in the College of Arts. Um, this year, if you didn't know, is the 50th anniversary of the College of Arts, and we're really excited. We've got some big celebrations coming up, so keep your eyes peeled on our website uh, for more information. Uh, we'll have that coming out to you very soon. Um, this year's Griffin's Read is going to be October 1st and 2nd, and we're doing Son of a Trickster by Eden Robinson. Come on out. Come hang out with us. Come chat with Eden, and you can ask her some of your questions. It's going to be really, really fun. And also the CSWIP conference that Samantha was talking about that she is hosting here at Guelph this year is on feminism and food. And that's going to be October 25th to 27th. And it's actually free for all Guelph students. So if you really liked what we were talking about and want to talk about it more and learn more, come on out to the conference, Um, get registered and sign on up and come hang out. So huge thank you to our producer, Sandy Sabatini. Thank you so much for letting us do what we do. And please rate, review, share, and subscribe, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at UOG underscore arts. And for anything arts-related, go to uguelph.ca slash arts. It's our website. Great. Uh, what are you wearing? Uh, my new athletic pantsuit with pockets. What's with the skirt? Don't label me. Mm. Where art thou? Where art thou?